0: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center.
1: Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Federal prosecutors accused Republican Congressman George Santos yesterday of stealing campaign donors' identities, but if you donated money
2: to George Santos, you're probably looking for a new identity anyway.
3: What a weird story that whole thing is. Yeah,
2: what a character he is i want to read the book or see the movie or something uh because he's one of those twist toys who just he, he lies about everything uh, reflexively um like the infamous scott peterson who, who killed his wife an unborn child it turned out yeah
3: he was just one of was, what's the
2: term for that i
3: can't remember i've known a few people like that who had to deal with it like uh like with a 12-step program or something their need to lie because it gives them some sort of a dopamine hit or something like that, hmm. and and that don't matter lies. It don't matter. So you just throw out, you know, oh yeah, I lived in France for a year, and then you just make up some crap. That doesn't help you in any way. It's just you need to lie, and getting away with it gives you a, a, some juice. Right, and that one that one even
2: is like self-aggrandizing or exciting. Yeah, but that's I remember a bad reading. Well, that's not a bad example at all. I that's a think, horrible I,
3: example, and I should probably go home.
2: Shit, turn off his mic. He's an idiot. Uh, no, it's a perfectly good example. But I remember that uh, the part that really weirded me out was, uh, you know, like uh, a congenital liar like that will stop by the grocery store to get, you know, whatever, and then tell their spouse or their roommate or whatever. And, and it was weird. They're totally out of 2% milk. Uh, I talked to the guy, oh. and he said, yeah, this, the truck got stopped. and." So anyway, uh, how's your day been? And that's not true. And it's utterly, he's not covering for anything, not trying to make himself look good. It's not a particularly good story, but they just lie about everything.
3: That is, boy, it'd be tough to be in a relationship with somebody like that of any kind. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's different from a fabulist like old Joe Biden, for instance, or Brian Williams, who just... They need so desperately for the story to be interesting and dramatic and the rest we of it. All they make get up details. That.
3: We all we all get the impulse to that to make the story more enjoyable, but uh, or make you seem cooler. But the just random made up fact. I mean, that's so weird. Yeah.
2: Well, and you know what, honestly, I think uh what's his face? Um the uh, the New York Congressman guy. Um George Santos. George Santos, right. I'm sorry, I got an Israel thing in front of me, and it's blotted that out of my mind.
3: Although most people who know George Santos from back in the day knew him by different names because he gave different
2: names everywhere he was. So he's one of the the liar, the congenital liar, compulsive liar guys, um, but he's also a thief.
0: I mean, he just
2: he steals everything that he can get within a mile of. So he's got that going on, too. Yeah, he's practically, what a
3: he's practically a kleptomaniac. He's a thief like he's a liar. He steals things that aren't even important. You just yeah. like, wow, what a nut. They need to study him. Get him out of Congress, put him in a room, and just study him.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I thought this was a really interesting email from a teacher. I will leave the names out of it. It's kind of lengthy. Jump in whenever you want, Jack. Um, but it's it's super interesting. Um, she says, once again, you had me up in arms and fighting alongside you. Uh, I don't even know, uh, want to know if I want to mention what city she's in, but she teaches at a private school um, in a, a very large American city. Uh, first, let's talk about education fads. I teach science honors and regular biology and some other advanced science courses at an elite private school. Unfortunately, even at a private school, we're not immune to many of the ridiculous changes that are enacted in public schools. I'll give you a couple of examples, like teaching for equity and standards-based grading.
3: What's standards-based grading?
2: I was going to say teaching for equity. You're like, wait a minute. I've heard those terms. But standards-based grading, I'll get to in a second. She explains it. Teaching for equity says you should talk about equity as part of every subject you teach and that it should be an organic discussion that arises as part of the teaching. How do you ask? How do you do that? You might ask in a science class. Uh, For example, I'd
3: like to start with why, but we'll go to how, I guess.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, that's kind of, you know, jumping to the end. (laughs) But yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, let's see, uh, for example, you're teaching a physics problem. Johnny goes on a roller coaster car 10 meters above the ground and travels at 3 meters an hour. Calculate the velocity when the cart hits the ground. Then your Then your question should be not how to do the calculations or which formulas you use to solve the problem, but has everyone been on a roller coaster? Do you think there are some people who have never been on a roller coaster? Why do you think someone may not have been to an amusement park? Could there be people that may not be able to afford to go to the amusement park so they've never been on a roller coaster? Oh, my God. What factors in our society could be
3: preventing people from having the means to go to the amusement park? Um, Could we get back to the math problem? No, we're busy over here fixing society. No time to figure out the velocity times whatever.
2: Could it be that structural racism and white supremacy have made it impossible for some people to earn the money to go to an amusement oh, park? You
3: got to be kidding me. Is this actually In science class. Is this actually happening? 100%. Oh my god.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. So you can see the goal of this organic natural discussion, i.e. leading kids to think in a certain way, is to get back to inequity stemming from racism, patriarchy, etc. In every class. Now, we science teachers complain that this takes time away from the real curriculum that we're trying to teach. And we're shot down and told this is so important and it only takes a couple of minutes. Never mind that the kids struggle with this material. and Every minute counts and they're underperforming it as it is. Can you believe it? More importantly, uh, I don't think the parents who are paying a lot to send their kids to get a better education realize that that's what's happening in their elite private schools.
3: It can't be mentioned enough in all these stories. Any story about education should always include, by the way, American children are not reading or doing math at grade level at these numbers, should always be included. This school, which
2: uses the gender-bred person in math class inexplicably and is teaching your 8-year-old that they're probably a little girl, there are 8% of the students who are at grade level in math. Keep that in mind. You're right. Yeah, it should be repeated constantly. So you asked, what is standards-based grading? Standards-based grading is another way to bring equality of outcome in grades. Um, and she she says, now, this is at a private school, so there really are not that many oppressed people attending. So you bring down the smart kids to the level of the average kids. They've made us redo our exams in a way to basically narrow down what the students learn to the basics, i.e., they need to know far less content with a lot more hand-holding, including allowing them to retake exams. The idea is to motivate students to, quote, learn for the sake of learning and not for the grade. Anyone with half a brain or has ever worked with teens or gone through high school knows that most teens are not interested in learning things for the sake of learning. We always have the handful of motivated, smart, hardworking students who are the honors kids and regardless of method of teaching are interested and motivated to learn. The other students, for the most part, will try to some extent motivated either by grades, their parents pushing them, or if they connect with the teacher personally. All of this will not achieve what it is designed to achieve because, wait for it, they never actually measure achievement or motivation or any of the things this is supposed to do.
3: Yeah, that first part could have just been, anybody who's ever been a human being would recognize. Yeah, yeah,
2: no kidding. Yeah, all of your coworkers work hard, right? Because they're inner, their, because of their inner motivation and their pride in their work and their wanting to. No, it's because they don't want to get in trouble. Right? Somebody will do something bad if they don't, or somebody will do something good if they will, if they do.
3: Man, there were a few things, some of the time that I did for the sake of doing them when I was in school, but mostly it was just I gotta, you know, I gotta get, I gotta stay above this grade to feel good about myself or stay out of trouble or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah
2: and i was a fairly motivated student but it when my motivation flagged and i thought you know screw it i thought oh if i get this grade i'm gonna get the whole uh, you're not you're a disappointment you're not living up to your potential
3: right or if you're on sports teams or anything like that you had to have a certain average to be able to participate so you can drop below that
2: Right, yep, absolutely true. For the record, my parents never said, you're a disappointment. <laughs> they might have said, I'm disappointed in you.
3: Oh, they've muttered it, but they didn't say it out loud.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, they could have actually just put it on a poster and pointed to it uh, <laughs> at times during my youth, which was slightly wayward. Oh, oh, my God. So let's get down to the the issue, the problem,
3: at the Rudolphs. Joe, you're a disappointment to us all. <laughs>
2: I'm a disappointment to me, all right? Get in line. (laughs) The problem with all these fads is one thing, our teacher friend writes, PhDs in education.
1: Wow. First of
2: all, as someone with a PhD in a real science, neuroscience, I'm offended by the fact that people will sit around and invent new jargon and call themselves doctors. This is not science based PhD as you alluded to. All these new fads come along because these quote, P, quote unquote PhDs have to justify their existence. So they just come up with these novel ways of teaching things which never work. And for some reason, schools adopt this as if there was a shred of evidence that it does. Again, there's no way of measuring whether they work or not. It's all conjecture. So we go along with the fads until we realize they don't work. And in the meantime, the students are the ones who lose out. As, as, you know, I said, and, and she, you know, echoes, they've got to d- justify their existence and their salaries. So they say, we've made new discoveries in the teaching of reading. We're abandoning phonics and moving into whole language or whatever fad, you know, happened to be in your kids' schools. Um, Sight and people reading. say, wow. Yeah, exactly. Wow, look at this innovative new thing these PhDs are introducing. And then it's a miserable failure because it's all conjecture. It's not science-supported.
3: I can't imagine if I hadn't had grades to motivate me where I would have been.
2: Right. I think, I think I can say with pretty strong confidence, if humans are not graded on outcomes, and I'm talking about the PhDs and the principals and the teachers or whatever, or the parents, to some extent, if people aren't made to take responsible for the outcomes they create, they will go sideways or the institution will go sideways. As Tim sandifer so brilliantly pointed out, like government agencies, they get rewarded for failure. We need a bigger budget. OK,
3: here it is. That is really troubling. And that is a private school.
2: Yeah, yeah, high dollar private school. There's something about educators that make them particularly prone to this sort of craze.
3: Wild, and all with the idea that you're you're helping the kids, you're doing something good for society. I think they're stroking
2: their own egos. They they say that they're, you know, trying to innovate to help the kids, but it's about their damn egos. That, again, justifying their existence
3: and their salaries. That roller coaster story problem thing example was just—that's horrifying.
2: I don't get the math, Mrs. Smith, but do you get that systemic racism keeps people off roller coasters? There's an A for you, Joe. Good job.
3: Wow. Uh, you can comment on this anytime. Is this going on in your school or anything else you want to comment on? Our text line, 415-295-KFTC.
2: Armstrong and Gass-
0: at purdueglobal.edu. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: there was a breakdown the moonlight hit the town
3: Some more on Israel, their response, world opinion, etc. Our, our possible involvement all coming up in a few minutes. It's a giant story in that it could be like... V- one of the biggest stories of all time, if things go the wrong way. So stay tuned for that. Two things I want to talk about. One, um, I can't believe that the new operating system for Apple in terms of voice texting is so much worse. They keep going the wrong direction on that. And I really can't even imagine anybody listening in Silicon Valley that can explain how it's getting so much worse. Its ability to hear what I'm saying and get the words correct. And I'm hmm. not the only one that feels that way. I've talked to other people who say, yeah, oh, yeah, it's absolutely. So I, that's just weird to me. Yeah, I'm um, afraid
2: to download the new iOS. I keep hearing bad stuff about it. But.
3: A different thing involves the internet. I have been researching a fair amount about uh, online porn use as I've got a 13 and a half year old and an 11 and a half year old. And it's going to be, I mean, it's just, I've talked to some other parents. It's just, it's. Not could be a thing, like drugs or whatever, like they're going to be using drugs. They are going to be using online porn. I mean, that's just. Teat. Thank you for that. Anyway, the, Michael, do better. Be better. The growing knowledge about porn addiction, which is such a new area and porn has been around forever. But apparently Internet porn videos, all that sort of stuff and the amount that people can get is a new thing. And it's so recent, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's it's like a new field. But I, I, so I started on researching that and everything like that, and how to talk to your kids and things to do, and what you can do to, you know, in your own home with your internet to keep blah, blah, blah. But I ended up on this thread with a whole bunch of recovered or recovering porn addicts talking about their experiences, and it's just horrifying. First of wow. all, from reading this, these long threads, first of all, the idea that, Online porn may play a role in the fact that people aren't dating or having babies. May play a role. You need to read those threads from porn addicts. it's oh, okay. absolutely 100% what keeps them from leaving their house or actually asking a girl out or whatever. I mean, absolutely 100%. Wow. Okay, that's settled. Yeah, no kidding. I, just, I thought that was fascinating. Um, sometimes studies or academics or whatever, or or research papers are way behind just talking to people who are in the world of something (laughs) and finding out about it. But anyway, hearing all these young men, and this was mostly men in their 20s, some in their 30s, talking about how they do not have the ability to get aroused with a real woman, a real beautiful woman with them trying to have sex with them, and they can't. Because oh. their brain is so used to a different thing that this doesn't work anymore. Imagine that if you're a 25-year-old guy and you couldn't get aroused with a good-looking woman who wants to have sex with you.
2: I can't. I right? know. That's so foreign to me. I just, I, I don't know.
3: It's stunning that that's even possible. But there are thousands, millions of men in this country who are in that situation. Horrifying. And then people talking about how long it took. You can recover, but it takes a long time and a lot of discipline. And it's an I'd addiction. I'd imagine
2: you have to rework your neural pathways.
3: Huh? Absolutely. And uh, yeah. one guy, the thing that stuck in my mind that I thought was interesting, a guy who said he was a drug addict and a porn addict, he said online porn is way closer to drugs than sex. It's more It's more like a drug addiction than a sex addiction. It's the same sort of reward, dopamine Dealing with your problems, dealing with your boredom, and then you and then you get addicted and you can't get out. It's got more to do with that than sex.
2: Yeah, I get that. That rings true. How crazy and interesting. And I I'd like to point about all these studies and newspaper articles and learned observers and I'll just ask the people. It's like when we talk to people who've been homeless, they say, Oh yeah, everybody's on drugs here. Right. I don't need to read about it in the San Francisco Chronicle, you know?
3: Underreported story, I
1: say.
0: at PurdueGlobal.edu, the Armstrong and Getty Show. President Biden was absolutely correct in calling this sheer evil. Hamas is ISIS, and just as ISIS was crushed, so too will Hamas be crushed. And Hamas should be treated exactly the way ISIS was treated. They should be spit out from the community of nations. No leader should meet them. No country should harbor them. And those that do should be sanctioned. We know Hamas didn't
3: commit its heinous acts with the interests of Palestinian people in mind. We know Hamas does not stand for the future that Palestinians want for themselves and for their children. Hamas has only one agenda,
2: to destroy Israel, and to murder Jews.
3: Pick a side. Because everybody's going to be picking a side here over the next 24, 48 hours. And then, how firm are you in your side if your side is Israel's got to do what they got to do? Because it is going to get really, really ugly. Um, I just, somebody uh, sent this, uh, it was on CNN, on the blockade of Gaza and the 2.2 million people Palestinians. This is from Israel's energy minister. Said that uh, they will not be provided in Gaza with any electricity, water, or fuel, until the hostages are returned home. No, the quote is: "No electrical switch will be turned on, no water hydrant will be opened, and no fuel truck will enter until the Israeli abductees are returned home." Humanitarian for humanitarian, and no, will pre- no one will preach us morals," said the energy director.
2: That's a pretty good uh, preemptive argument. They're hoping that the, the people in Gaza just say, hey, give them their damn people back. Give the Israelis their people back. Get rid of the Americans, would you? We need water. I'm not sure it works. Um, it's going to be ugly, no doubt. Because, as usual, and this is the problem with trying to exert pressure on evil regimes or groups, is that they take care of themselves. They, Hamas has all the water they need and all the food they need. It's the people who will starve. Anyway, uh, it's going to be terrible. I mentioned this earlier piece in the Wall Street Journal. A metaphor quickly emerged after Hamas's barbarous attacks, casting it as Israel's 9-1, 9-11. That's the day we will look back on, dividing the before and after times. But this misses the mark. October 7th is our Dunkirk, a decisive start of a massive and prolonged war of survival, the beginning of a historic test whose outcome is still certain. And they mentioned that the primary reason the 9-11 uh, metaphor falls is Israel isn't America. The attack on the Twin Towers and the Pentagon was isolated in time. In response, the U.S. had total freedom to maneuver. It could simply sit out the fight. Um, they Then they go through a bunch of other things we could have done, done quickly, slowly, whatever. Israel has no such luxury, neither in geography nor in time can the country take a wait-and-watch approach. With jihadists marauding through southern Israel as if we vaulted back to the Middle Ages, and with 130,000 Lebanese rockets trained on Israeli population centers. Can you imagine if we had 130,000 Canadian rockets pointed at our cities right now? We're in the fight of our lives. That's why Dunkirk is a more precise parallel. Britain understood that getting its soldiers home was a life and death matter, not only for them, but for the country. Uh, And and on they went. And on that theme, a really moving piece also in the Wall Street Journal, it's entitled, Why Do You Have to Go? Israelis Prepare Their Children for War. And they talk about how every able-bodied man has been called up. And they're trying to explain to their kids why they have to go. And mom's hiding in the bathrooms so the children won't hear them weeping. And that's like everybody in the country. Except for some of the ultra-Orthodox, or, ultra which is a controversy for another day. Um, mm.
3: Yeah, I mentioned this twice already. I'll mention it a third time because it made such an impact on me yesterday. I listened to it twice. This Israeli journalist who's in the United States during this podcast, but talking to lots of Israelis back back home. Uh, basically saying people don't understand what a huge dividing line moment this was for all Israelis on Saturday. It just it broke everything. It broke our psyche. It broke our vision of who we are, what we are, how, what the future is going to be. Everything changed on that day mm-hmm. because you can't continue like that. It, Obviously, we need right. a new way to look at government. We need a new way to look at living side by side with people that want to kill us. Um, All these things are changed forever.
2: This article centers around a particular school, and you have to picture, you know, PTA meeting, parents lined up, chatting, waiting for their kids. You know, it's very modern, very Western existence. But this uh, 40-year-old mom whose daughter goes to school. Uh, with the author's son, told me she spent Monday stocking the family's bomb shelter in their flat, their apartment with flashlights and enough food and water to last three days, as recommended by Israeli authorities. She also hid a knife and a screwdriver in a cupboard. I feel like I'm living in a movie, she said. What the hell is going on that I'm actually doing this?
3: Right, when you were under the belief that you have the best defense forces in the world, with the very best technology and training and everything, and now you're hiding screwdrivers in the house so you can defend yourself hand-to-hand combat because you don't believe that those defense forces exist anymore. That's rough.
2: New York Times has this chart of how long people were waiting for the army to show up in various places. You know, I don't know the names of these towns, but in near Oz, which we've heard about, people waited for more than eight and a half hours. At the festival, it was eight hours, the music festival. In this different town, more than 20 hours since residents saw the gunman went into hiding hostages taken rescues reported late into the night um 13 hours in this other town there's the story of this 22 year old woman who texted her family after hiding for 5 hours from the attackers she texted where is the army she was shot and killed later still waiting for the army not so to, no, the, the,
3: the, the where's the army is comes after the uh, what about our gazillion-dollar impenetrable fence that they penetrated in 30 different spots? Mm-hmm. And then when they get through, there's nobody to stop them? What? For an entire day? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty shocking thing to have happen. Oh,
2: and speaking of knocking down the fence, I heard one commentator uh, point out that they knocked them down with bulldozers that they're not supposed to have. They're not supposed to exist in Gaza. So I think they can get some food and water in if they want to. If they can get bulldozers in.
3: So Egypt uh, says that they had told the Israelis that this could be coming and, and that the tr- training has been going on for a year. I bring that up just because I wonder how much of this has to do with the uh, internal domestic politics. They've been there's been going on in Israel now for quite a while with, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in the streets every single Saturday night in a way that has never happened Boy, it gets back to our, our uh you know, our theme of unprecedented plus unprecedented and equals unprecedented. That was unprecedented. They've never had reservists not showing up for training to fly the planes and hundreds of thousands of people in the street every Saturday night. Well yet yeah, did that lead to this? It had to play a role. Yeah, I
2: think so. Certainly a feeling of now is the time, perhaps. Uh, Maybe time will tell. Or
3: not being ready because you're not fully concentrated on the defending the wall, you know, military training, all the stuff that you usually were.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's this story in the New York Times about Israel Ziv, a retired Israeli army general. He was riding his bike Saturday morning when he started his phone went nuts. Huge barrage of rockets had been fired from Gaza. Gunmen from Hamas were pouring across the border. Soon he would learn that a good friend's son was trapped in a kibbutz. So he raced home, put on his uniform, and grabbed his weapon, a 9 millimeter handgun. Within minutes, he was flying down a deserted highway in his car. As he neared the Gaza border, he saw columns of black smoke in the Israeli army. At least at first, was nowhere to be seen. Hamas attackers were running across the landscape, hunched under the weight of heavy machine guns and rocket-propelled grenade launchers shooting at him. He said they were all over, hundreds of them. Um, this guy's pretty well known in Israel. He's the former head of the operations directorate of the IDF. Um but he drove headlong into the battle zone, armed only with a pistol, organized a confused group of soldiers into a fighting unit and started overseeing evacuations. And this has become this guy has become one of the great heroes and kind of the symbol and avatar of Israel's, uh, you know, do it yourself, protect yourself spirit. Um, but it's just a crazy story. Guy had a nine millimeter handgun. He's going up against guys with machine guns.
3: What's your other option?
2: yeah just be killed um but so weakened this is to your point jack um he even walked into israeli's defense ministry where he met with the defense minister and held secret meetings with national security officials in which they left their mobile phones in the hallway etc so weakened is public faith in the country's military that one of the biggest issues israelis are talking about is arming themselves Many already own weapons, but the government announced this week it was purchasing 10,000 assault rifles for civilians along with bulletproof vests.
3: Wow. I'm looking up at the Secretary of State right now who just said, we stand with Israel in its determination to make sure what happened on Saturday never happens again. I don't know how unequivocal that is, but that's fairly down the road of do what you got to do.
2: I think so. Yeah, I I would like to think, and I'm going to put aside cynical uh, partisanship for a minute. So cynical partisans, just give me a minute. Um, Anthony Blinken doesn't strike me as a stupid guy, but his State Department has continued the Obama-Biden, uh, we can talk to Iran, we can deal with Iran, we can strike a bargain with, them. we bet we can get them to behave. And I think he has been absolutely punched in the face by how wrong he he was, and those uh, that that one guy whose name I don't recall, but is being investigated by the FBI, there are a handful of people who got very close to America's foreign policy apparatus who were agents of Iran, or at the very least sympathizers.
3: Well, that t- and I, that tweet the State Department put out Saturday night was horrific. Yes,
2: yeah, and I think old A. Blinken realized holy crap, I have been so wrong, I am so on the wrong side of this. Um, and he's got a measure of what have we done going on in his head, I'll bet.
3: I hope so. So you mentioned earlier that there is a call for killing Jews all around the world tomorrow. Hamas has called on tomorrow be a, to be a day of killing Jews. Schools and synagogues are in a panic around the world, blah, 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 blah. These Hamas leaders that called for the day of killing are in Qatar. As Jonah Goldberg tweeted out, we need to do something about the terrible living conditions in occupied Qatar that led these Hamas leaders living there to resort to such violence. Clearly, they have no choice, given their desperation.
2: Boy, that's some good
3: sarcasm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Qatar, Qatar, however you want to pronounce it. Yet another frenemy in the Middle East.
3: So those poor Palestinians, many of whom are going to die over the next several days in a number of different horrifying ways are are putting up with the leaders who are hanging out at probably at a nice hotel in Qatar, you know, oh, yeah. putting their lives on the line, the Palestinians lives on the line for this. Mm-hmm. What a horrible situation.
2: Yeah, no happy ending here. Just an ending. Maybe.
3: Yeah, well, I, you know, like I said a little bit ago, you know, pick a side and then see how, how far, how, how long can you hold on? Because it's going to be easy to get wobbly, I think when the reality starts happening in Gaza.
2: That is one of the advantages, the horrible advantages a guy like Vladimir Putin has. He doesn't care.
3: Right. Right. He actually doesn't care.
2: He doesn't he have doesn't. a free press, he doesn't have an opposition,
3: and he doesn't have normal human emotions. So. Right. There's that. We will finish strong next.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
0: at purdueglobal.edu. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: I had completely forgotten that that quarterback for the 49ers was the last player selected in the draft.
2: Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. That's correct.
3: He's tw- 10 straight wins, undefeated for the 49ers. I bought a 49ers hat. Nobody mentioned that yesterday. I was wearing my 49ers oh, hat. no. Oh, the, no. bought the expensive fitted kind, so I'm ready to roll the bandwagon this year. But, um, uh, yeah, so he's had 10 straight wins, and uh, all the power rankings have the 49ers as the best team in the NFL, and he's their quarterback, and he was the last player in the draft. (sighs) Anyway, I won't get up on the whole ridiculousness in all sports of getting so worked up about draft picks and all these different things. Ah. Anyway, um, uh, Chiefs play tonight. More importantly, it has been announced that Taylor Swift will be at Arrowhead Stadium. I'm sorry, did you say more importantly? (laughs) We'll get tremendous amount of attention because it makes more money for everybody involved. How soon until NFL games, you're going to see commercials for,
2: uh, you know, I don't know, lip gloss and lady products.
3: (laughs) Right. Because I got so many viewers that are Swifties tuning in. Yeah. Boy, Uh, if
2: you had her singing at halftime.
3: Oh, wouldn't that be something? That would be something. Another stupid celebrity note. We've been together a year, and it was just if it was just a year, it would have been worth it. I've had the best time of my life. One year of dating for music icon Cher, 77, with her boyfriend, Edward, who is 37. 77 and 37, they've been dating a year. Mm-hmm. She announced yesterday. She's having the time of her life. Dude, what, is, what is your deal, dude? 40-year age gap.
2: Wow. Wow. Share is pushing eighty. Wow, wow. Okay, is that okay. What do, you it, you know, is?
3: what do you suppose he is up to? He just the lifestyle, I'm sure, is amazing. I'm sure it's all five star hotels and private jets and the best restaurants. Yeah, it could be. He's
2: got a thing for older gals, uh, and he's in it for the lifestyle. I suppose it's possible he's in love with her. I don't know. I don't know. The whole
3: thing makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Why does it make you uncomfortable? Well, I
2: don't know. I You're don't know. I'm talking want to.
3: about it because it's love, and you shouldn't criticize anybody else's love. It's simple. Yeah, to love each other.
2: Exactly. Thanks, Mr. President. Uh, yeah, I guess I just I don't want to take shots at uh, like older folks who've found love. But yes, that seems a little odd. If he were fifty-seven, he'd be pretty damn
3: young compared to her. All right. No, I understand why she would be. You, you could go that direction. Yeah. It's just kind of hard to imagine what he's. Up to.
2: do you suppose she still has womanly needs or uh, are they just buddies
3: you're about that age katie how about a 80 year old man you're about Nothing. the same age as a young guy hard pass oh, hard pass. pass
2: inappropriate i disavow disavow for final thoughts joe getty uh the haunting echo let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew <laughs> starting with our technical director michelangelo michael final thought
1: you know my wife and i we've been following this israeli story but we can only watch it a few minutes at a time and i got to turn it off because yeah. it just gets too dark
3: it is it is rough uh
2: katie greenair our esteemed newswoman, still on her sick bed katie do you have a final thought On another note, yeah, Jack brought us some uh, disturbing facts about porn addiction earlier, which further solidifies that this ring's true. People like
3: boobs!
2: (laughs) Still true. going on the record. That's right. Jack, a final thought to add to that
3: one? I'm looking at this 77-inch TV that I'm uh, near buying, and I'm trying to figure out, is there any reason, like, am I just just trying to, like, cover over an emotional problem or distract myself from life or... I mean, is there any possible way I need a 77-inch TV instead of a 65-inch TV? Yes, Michael?
1: Think of all the educational programming your kids could watch on that and how good they'd be able to see it. Don't don't help me justify it.
2: You know, all of those questions are excellent, but you'll end up with a bigger TV, so... My final thought is you put down the white face paint and then big red lips. And then you can individualize the decorations. A wig is good. Maybe oversized shoes. This is all advice for the House Republicans who've become a clown show. The GOP is now the POC, the party of clowns. Get a speaker, you morons.
3: And unlikely to happen today. Armstrong. Now, at he- least
2: nothing's going on, you know.
3: Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday.
2: So many people to thanks so a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. The hot links are full of all sorts of great links to read and look at and what have you. Pick up an a and t-shirt. t-shirt. <laughs> Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. Flying off the shelves.
3: Well, it's official. Iran is not going to get that $6 billion. Well, it was a stupid idea to start with. We will see you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. How how many more hours am I doing this? I'm serious. Go away.
2: You're not going to get COVID. Ah!
1: Uh, That's ludicrous, right? I'm so
2: grotesque.
1: Don't smoke crack.
2: So let's go out with a bang. Now, does it count as participating in the republic if they're sucking down the warm, buttery milk from the teat of the government? Mm, The the takers? Warm, buttery milk. That's right. That was gross. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.
0: Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I
1: set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on Season 3 of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals.